Our memory verse, Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. Hopefully, putting it in your head, we're going to take a deeper look at it these next couple of weeks in April to try to help you fix it into your mind a little bit. Um, but this is the proper response to Jesus is risen. Let's say it together. Luke 9, 23 to 25. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Luke 9, 23 to 25. When our youngest son was about four, I guess it was, he was for several months approaching <clears throat> Christmas Day. The advertisements were all over the place for a toy called Crisscross Crash. Have a picture? Have you ever seen it? No. Crisscross Crash. Now, it was one of those fad toys, and so that means you can't find it. <laughs> the toy companies advertise it so much that kids want it so badly that they're bought up, and, and I think bootleggers buy them and steal them and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, leading up to Christmas, he wanted crisscross crash. That's all Chad talked about, crisscross crash, crisscross crash. And the whole idea is you get Hot Wheels or Matchbox cars on there and they have a motorized thing and they go around and, and as they're crossing in the middle, they cross and crash, right? Which is very inviting for a four-year-old boy. It was, he wanted it so badly and we knew that we couldn't find it. And so there was a guy that was a part of our church that at that point that Chad talked to and, and Randy came up to me and said, before Christmas, you have got to find that toy for the boy. <laughs> That's all he talks about. And I said, we can't find it. We could not find it anywhere. Christmas came. There was no crisscross crash under the Christmas tree. Sad, isn't it? Just He's been in therapy ever since. <laughs> for the next 12 months... Crisscross crash came up repeatedly. <laughs> I wonder if I'll get crisscross crash next year, next year, month after month after month after month. So we did, we moved heaven and earth in order to find one, and finally we got it. Crisscross crash. That's all they wanted, crisscross crash. We got to Christmas Day at our house, and in our way of handing out presents is one at a time. You'll, it'll last a long time. Everybody, you get a present, and then they open it, and then they get to choose the next present. They get. But we had tucked away a crisscross crash so that it wouldn't be until the very last present. So every present Chad uh, opened, he was hoping and hoping. And so when he got something little, he knew that wasn't crisscross crash. And you could see the look on his face. That's disappointing. The next present he got, maybe, maybe that will be it. Maybe that, maybe that. 
One present left. And finally, it was handed to Chad. But he, I don't, I don't know if he doesn't trust us. <laughs> or, or didn't want to get his hopes up. But he wasn't quite sure. Until he pulled the paper off of the, uh, off of the box. And he saw a crisscross crash. And, and as he was sitting there, it was, it was like he levitated. He jumped. Yes, 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 crisscross, crash, crisscross, crash, crisscross, crisscross, crash, crisscross. And all of us are laughing and celebrating and because he got crisscross, crash. And all of you would say, of course. He had been wanting it for so long. It had been the focus of his desire for so long. Of course he's going to celebrate. Of course he's going to use it. Of course he's going to, to value and treasure it. And he did. He treasured that because the anticipation. Celebration is like that. When, when we are anticipating, when we have a desire for something, and finally it is fulfilled, then celebration is a part of it. God built us for celebration. If you look in the Old Testament, God arranged times for the celebration that focused on Him. And so in the Old Testament, the Israelites had three festivals every year. That they were supposed to pause their lives, travel to Jerusalem, and celebrate. Honor God for what he's done, for for different reasons. They had, um, there there was uh, eight days after a male child was born, there was the, the ceremony of circumcision, which would be a celebration of the gift of a child to the family. A wedding became huge celebrations for Jewish people. And it, was, it, would, and it wasn't just a day. It, it lasted a long time. The anticipation, the build up and the preparation, the engagement period was a long time. Celebration. It's as if God delays what we desire in order to get us focused on it so that when he fulfills it, we really embrace it. Yeah. And it got me wondering, Why did God wait so long between the Garden of Eden and then Jesus' arrival, life, death, and resurrection? It was preparation, surely. It was preparation. But I think part of it was was also to get us, get mankind to understand the enormity of what God was doing. So that when resurrection day arrives, when Jesus pays the price and then arises from the dead, we celebrate. We truly, truly celebrate. But now, one of the things that we face, and perhaps it's been true from the early days, is the enemy tries to discount it, tries to demean it, tries to distract from it, so that we're not really paying attention to what happened. And so I want us to take a a deeper look at Easter. And Resurrection Day is really the better better name for it. Resurrection Day. And all that God did so that we will celebrate it well. Ultimately, these celebrations are to point to who God is and what God does. And so if you want to pull out your outline, some places for you to take notes. And if you're watching with us online, it's, there's a copy of it posted on our website. And you can download it from there. We celebrate the work that Jesus accomplished. And for you, those of you that are grammar Nazis, there's a apostrophe where it shouldn't be just. 
I did that on purpose just to remind you that I'm not perfect. <laughs> right? Yeah, you believe that. The greatest celebration for the greatest victory and the greatest gifts. So I hope that today you leave with a, an understand, a deeper understanding of, and a better appreciation for the resurrection and, a, and the perspective on what God has done to provide us with power. The first part of this is Jesus' return to life. Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Day, is about Jesus' return to life. The great, the, the, and so the anticipation that leads to it. As we read through the gospel accounts of Resurrection Day, prior to those accounts is the agony that all of his followers would have been feeling. And we can't even grasp the agony that they were in. Part of our struggle is we know the end of the story, right? The tension is gone. It's like watching a movie where, that you've seen before. You know, you don't have to get it. Or, or if you're watching a game on, 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 uh, that's been recorded and you know who wins. And my attitude is if my team wins, I'll watch it. If I record it, if my team doesn't win, I just delete it. I don't even want to watch it. (laughs) Why bother? We can't grasp the agony that they were feeling. Everything that they had given their lives to appeared to be lost. One thing that, that especially touches me as I read through the story or as I watch a depiction of of um, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is, is Mary, his mother. I can't even imagine. Here's, here's a woman who had, who had birthed the Son of God. She was the mother of the Son of God. She had raised him. She had followed him. You know, at least in, in part, at one point, I think her brother, her, Jesus' brothers tried to talk him into taking him to the funny farm. But by and large, you see her understanding who he was and, and then following at the end to the place where she's there at the crucifixion when the disciples have run. And she's watching her son die. I can't even imagine that kind of agony. But God allowed it. So that when we get to Resurrection Day, the, the, the celebration is unbelievable. I mean, little Chad celebrating that he got the gift is just minute picture of all, that the, all of his followers celebrated. John chapter 20, this is the fourth report of the resurrection, verses 1 to 18. It's Jesus' return. Again, the resurrection is about a dead Savior. Dead. He's dead. Being brought back to life. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. 
and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb, but both, both of them were running together. But the other disciple, who was John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, Mary Magdalene. And as she wept, she stood to look into the tomb, and she saw the two angels, saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, which is not a derogatory term in their culture, but rather akin to lady, madam, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Oh. Mary. The agony that she had endured. And again, this is Mary Magdalene. This is not Mary, his mother. But here's a woman who had been set free from seven demons, who had been given her life back, who had followed Jesus as Savior and Lord, had had watched him die. And now all she wants to do is to honor him by taking care of his dead body. She can't comprehend. She sees the angels, but she can't comprehend. And she turns around and she hears the voice that must have reminded her, must have taken her back to that day when she was filled with those demons. And Jesus spoke into her life and said, Mary. And now he's about to give her back life. Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. The resurrection day is the celebration that Jesus is alive. He was dead. And he's alive. And death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. Many in this world understand the concept of Resurrection Day, of Easter, as the day when Christians remember that Jesus rose from the dead. That event. 
But we need to understand there's more. Number two, the second part of this celebration of this perspective of of what Jesus does on Resurrection Day is that he provides victory over enemy, all enemies. He provides victory over all enemies. And so the title of this message is the greatest, what do I title it? The greatest ambush in history. And this is what I mean. And we, and, and, um, this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, has been in my mind a lot because in learning communities, we've talked about um, how Jesus was ambushing. He, he didn't give the full story. He, he told the disciples, I have to be arrested, tried, crucified, die, and I will rise again. He, he kept telling them that. They didn't get it. But, but the enemies, the spiritual enemies, the demons and, and the principalities and the powers, they didn't get it either. It was all an ambush. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8 says, none of the rulers of this age, and he's not talking about human, he's talking about spiritual, demonic forces, for if understood uh, about Jesus' death and resurrection, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. This was an ambush, a spiritual ambush by Jesus. And so he draws, he, as, as you read the Gospels and you, and you look toward the end as he's headed toward his crucifixion, what you see is Jesus intentionally drawing a line in the sand. In the sand. He's throwing down the gauntlet. He's stirring things up. He's forcing the issue he's, because it's time for him to die for the sins of mankind. But they didn't realize that. They thought, Caiaphas, Pilate, all of them thought, get rid of a troublemaker. The, the unseen forces, the, the, what we would call demonic forces, they thought they could get rid of Jesus by killing him too. And so Jesus threw down the gauntlet, forced the issue. Um, and, and Jesus even said in the garden, I could, I could call my father and he would send the angels of heaven to deliver me if I needed it. This was an ambush because it was the only way that Jesus could bring victory over the enemies that were there and disenfranchise their authority. So it wasn't just that he came back to life. It was that by coming back to life, he uh, defeats the authority of all un- unspiritual unseen forces. It was the victory over the rebellious unseen forces. Um, and now, you know, through learning community, we've been studying Michael Heiser and the unseen realm and, and supernatural. And, and, and I realized as we've been doing that, that it, it's as if in the time when Jesus was dead before his resurrection, he is in the faces of all of his enemies. And, and so I put 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 20. Uh, for a long time, this scripture didn't make any sense to me. But now it does. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That was the purpose. So he was hanging on the cross, pay for our sins, being put to death in the flesh, 
but then made alive in the spirit, resurrected. In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought slavely through the water. So in the in, in between time, between Jesus' death and resurrection, he goes to the enemies, the spiritual enemies that have been bound, and and it's as it and announces, I win. I win. You are defeated, you're imprisoned, and, and you demons that are imprisoned by God in, in this pit, and all of the principalities and powers in the unseen realm that are still working in our world are done. They still have freedom, but they're done. He, he taunts them. He goes, he goes in, in, in after he dies, and he goes to these, and he taunts them, and he says, you're done. You've got nothing. You, I've defeated you. And so I put the statement there, Jesus' death and resurrection conquered sin. Sin no longer has power. It conquered death. Death is no longer to be feared. And it conquers fear. Those are the three victories that he wins. And so they're disenfranchised. They have no right to anything anymore. Jesus wins. And now, from this point forward, it's just about how long he's going to wait until he returns. Because he's won. Which brings us to number three. Our restoration. Easter, Resurrection Day, is about Jesus coming back to life. It's about him winning victory over all of his enemies. And it's also about restoring us to abundant and eternal life. The ambush led to Jesus setting his followers free from the clutches of the enemy, which leads to abundant life here and eternal life. How sad it would have been had Chad on that Christmas day when he tore the wrapper off of crisscross crash and he danced around on the couch and, and celebrated how sad it would have been if he, if he took a deep breath after everybody started, stopped laughing and smiling and celebrating with him. If he, if he took the lid off the box and just to make sure that his parents had not fooled him with a box. And you know how those parents are. I don't know about your house, but never trust the box. Because <laughs> what it says on the outside may not be what is on the inside. How sad it would have been if he had lifted the lid, saw that it really was crisscross crash, put the lid back on it, took it into his bedroom and shoved it under his bed. He had it, but he wasn't enjoying it. He would have it, but he wasn't really playing with it and with the, with the intent of the makers or the intent of his parents. Because we gave it to him because we knew he wanted it and we wanted him to have the joy of in experiencing it. And how many Christians, how many people who accept Christ as Savior look at, look at the resurrection and go, it's, oh, it's good that Jesus is alive and I, and I punched my ticket to heaven. And then they put their salvation back in the box and slip it under the bed and never experience the victory that Jesus won for us. 
When Jesus died and was resurrected, not only did he defeat his enemies, not only did he defeat sin, fear, and death, he defeated it so that the Holy Spirit within us can give us power over all of those things so that we never have to be afraid of anything again. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22. If you want to flip there in your Bible. So we read the first 18 verses a few minutes ago. Now we pick up the story. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 19, says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them. Now, pause there for, for a moment. Put yourself in their place. Peter and John have run to the tomb. John believes, but doesn't understand it. The rest of the disciples are struggling. They don't know what's happened. They're, for some reason, they're not believing, believing the account of these women who were there and heard the angels. And so they go, they go back to wherever they're staying and they lock the doors because you never know if the ones that took Jesus away are going to take them away. A very real threat. And all of a sudden, here the, the Savior that you've been following, the Messiah that you had believed in for all this time, that you had watched either by clo up close or from afar, and you had watched him crucified. You'd watched him hang on that cross. You'd watched his, the bloody mess of his body being hung there. You probably watched from afar as Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took the body down and, and, and carried it away. And you'd watched all of that, and now you're standing in a locked room, and this same Jesus appears before you. No longer bloody, but glorified. No longer beaten and bruised, but alive. Now, no longer his eyes are dead. Now his eyes are alive. And he's in his glorified form. And he has passed. He's, he's appeared without unlocking the door. without, and, and here he is. He's back. And as I asked the kids, what would you do if you saw an angel? You either faint or run. And so very quickly, Jesus says, peace be with you. Because they have experienced everything but peace. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And so it's, it's about mission now. In every one of the accounts, go tell your brothers, go, go, go. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, which was a, a prophecy, it was a prediction of what would be coming 50 days later. The Holy Spirit coming. <clears throat> Jesus' resurrection was the beginning and the means to restoring those who follow him to right relationship salvation, and to having his spirit live within us so that we can live in victory with power and peace and confidence and victory and on mission, walking in step with him. 
Everything Jesus did was not just to glorify himself, but was to provide for us so that we could have a abundant life while we're on this earth and eternal life when we go into the next. Jesus in us. And I put this statement in your outline. Jesus in us. The, the, the disciples didn't experience it right away until the Holy Spirit comes and fills them at Pentecost. But when he does, and, and the only reason the Holy Spirit could come and fill them is because Jesus died, was resurrected, and then went back to the Father. His Spirit living within them now gives them power over sin and death and fear. And that's why we dare not say, just celebrate Jesus is alive and Jesus won victory and then shove that under our beds and leave it there. Because Jesus didn't die just so that we can celebrate Easter once a year or just so that we can punch our ticket to heaven. He died and was resurrected so that you can live abundant life. You can live with power over sin. No longer does sin have to be in control of you. You can live with power over death because death no longer has any hold on you. And you can live with power over fear because you have nothing to fear because Jesus has destroyed fear. That's why he says in, in, throughout the word of God over and over again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't, don't, don't fear. Don't be afraid. By his spirit living within us. Jesus' resurrection is not just an event to remember. It's not just a victory, simply a victory over his enemies. It is a lifestyle that we are to live. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 56 to 57 says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with the temptation will provide a way out. Sin does not have to control. The devil can't make you do anything. He gives us the victory. Not through ourselves, not through trying harder, but by surrendering more. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Surrender yourselves to God. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If anyone wanted to come after me, let him deny himself, say no to myself, in order to say yes to God. Take up your cross daily, your responsibility, and follow me. It's submit yourselves to God, and res then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. One of the things that we've talked about uh, at length about in learning communities is that Satan has no authority or legitimate uh, power over us when we are surrendered to God. It's been taken. But what he does do is try to deceive us to think he's bigger than us. And so when we hear about demonic forces, we hear about the devil, we hear about you know, all those kinds of things that um, are supernatural. The natural tendency in our humanness is to get afraid. And he says, no, don't live like that. Pull that, 
pull your salvation and the power of God out from under the bed, unwrap it, and use it so that you can be more powerful. Nothing, listen to me, nothing. Because of Jesus' resurrection, nothing has to make us afraid. Nothing has to have power over us. Because greater is he that is in us, that the Spirit of God, than he that is in the world. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Look at me. Nothing. Did you get it? Nothing. Zero. Not anything seen, not anything unseen, not anything that anybody else in politics or your company or your friends or your relatives or anything else has to control you. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's the resurrection. That's living out the resurrection. So when fear starts to overcome you, submit yourselves to God. Surrender to him. Use the power and authority that he's provided, sometimes by calling a friend, a fellow believer, and saying, okay, let's, let's unite on this. Let's lock arms with this. When, when sin and temptation comes and, and it just feels like it's too strong and you can't help yourself from giving into it, no. He said, no, the power of God is greater than that temptation. Use the way out. Contact, again, lock arms with somebody else and take the teeth out of it. And then death, has, there's no need to fear death. If we, are, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, and, had, and in John chapter 14, I have gone to, to prepare a place for you, a place that is beyond comprehension, indescribably great. In Revelation chapter 21 and 22, the, uh, an attempt to describe the incredible nature of it. And that's what we get. And to the, to the place where Paul says, please kill me. Let me go home. I got nothing to fear. Sin, fear, and death have been defeated, not just for Jesus, but for anyone who allows his Holy Spirit to live within him. That's Easter. That's the resurrection. I have found that there's a shift that occurs when we lean into the truth of the scripture in James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. I found in, in uh, about nine months or so ago, God gave us this, this, this term, knees and nudges. Knees and nudges. Begin your day every day on your knees, surrendered to God. And then follow his nudges as you go through the day. And I have discovered that there's something about getting on my knees and surrendering to him that shifts something in me or around me. There, there are times when I'm kind of out of sorts and I go to my knees. It could be early in the morning. It could be throughout the day. And I go to my knees. So physically, as well as spiritually and emotionally, positioning myself in, a, in, a, in surrender to God, it, it's as if I, 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 I'm drawn into the presence of God and, and, and the enemy forces in the unseen have to, have to move away. There's a power when we surrender ourselves to God. In James chapter 4, verse 7, notice it doesn't say resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what most people will quote. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. If you try to resist the devil without surrendering yourself, 
you're going to lose every time. You try to resist temptation without surrendering yourself to God, you're done. You're dead. And you'll look back, God, what happened? Well, you didn't surrender yourself to me. You didn't submit because it's not about you. It's about Christ in you. So I don't know what you are dealing with. But God is bigger. The resurrection shows us God is bigger. The resurrection reminds us that the worst that mankind could do and the worst that Satan and all of his forces could do could not defeat Jesus. And the worst that anybody has in this world or the, or the unseen world that is coming after you is not bigger than Jesus. Jesus had to endure pain and difficulty and struggle, and we will too. But the victory belongs to him. We celebrate that he's alive. We celebrate that he's victorious over all of his enemies. We celebrate that he has given restoration and relationship with us, with him. And so um, I thought it would be appropriate for us to proclaim our commitment to him by using the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed was developed as a statement of faith saying, I am loyal and I am committing myself to him. So would you say it with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the spirits in hell. The third day, he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It was the greatest ambush of all of history. Jesus drew in his enemies, and then he destroyed them. He still uses ambushes today. And as I was preparing this message, I, I couldn't help but wondering, what circumstances in my life might be an ambush that God is laying for the enemy where he's going to turn around and he's going to give victory. Because one of the things that we as Christ followers struggle with is why am I going through this? Why do I have to endure this? Why do I have to go through this? Why, why can't life be easier? Why can't God answer my questions? Why, why God? And then when he doesn't answer those, those whys, we we shake our heads and, and we, we know he's Lord, but we don't understand. And just like the unseen enemies did not understand what Jesus was doing on the cross. Because he can't tip his hand where the devil knows. 
You see, if the devil had known that by crucifying Jesus, he would have destroyed himself, he wouldn't have done it. That's what the scripture says. And I wonder if there aren't circumstances in our lives where God can't tell us. Because by telling us, he would tip his hand to the devil. And that's why so often when I pray, one of the things I hear from God is, will you trust me? Will you trust me with this? Yeah, but I'd like a whole lot more information, God. Amen? I'd like to know a few more things. And he doesn't give us. So the only conclusion that I can draw is he's doing what's best. Because he's our loving heavenly dad and everything he does is for his glory and for our good. So I wonder what circumstances might be happening in your life where you're saying, God, I don't understand this. And he's using those circumstances as an ambush to defeat the enemy. To bring glory to himself. Maybe to bring other people to himself through you. And ultimately, to show you his love. Would you bow your heads with that question in mind? Are there circumstances that you're struggling with? That just might be an ambush for the, sp- the forces of Satan. And as you obey God, as you cooperate with Him, if you give up, Satan wins. But if you stay true and you follow Him and you're obedient to Him, He always has the victory. Sometimes the victory is revealed in this life, sometimes it's not but he always has the victory. So what circumstances do you need to surrender? Things that you're struggling with, things that you're not sure about, things that you'd like to have more answers to. Are you willing to give them to God? Say, Lord, if if this is what you need me to go through to accomplish your purposes, to win your victories, I surrender. Lord, your ways are so much higher than ours. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so are your ways and your thoughts beyond us. None of your disciples who had walked with you for years could comprehend what you were saying. And Lord, we confess so often we're that way as well. But you've heard the prayers of people who want to surrender and let you be Lord. Let you have the victory pray that you would take those and, and that you would provide peace as you spoke to those disciples on Resurrection Day. Assurance. I pray that your power would work in each one of us. A deeper trust, deeper love, deeper joy. And that others will see Christ in us and be drawn to you. But this, on this resurrection day, Lord, we, we give ourselves afresh to you. We praise you for your victory. We praise you for your plans. 
We praise you for your love. We honor you that you are almighty God. There is none like you. And, that, and you love us and you embrace us and you reach into our lives and, and you walk through this life as our loving Heavenly Father. So we praise you on this resurrection day. We celebrate and we ask that you would be glorified and honored in each of us and through us as a church family. We praise you. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we give ourselves to you. Amen. He 